gentlemen, hello, and welcome to Nerdy for 30. This is the podcast where we talk about nerdyish things for 30-ish minutes. My name is Kevin Bauer. Joining me, as always, is my faithful co-host, comedian Tim Keck. Today, we are going to be talking. I should, I really stepped on that, sup dogs. I'm now going to leave again. <laughs> I just thought it'd be fun to like, you know, throw in a little like, hey, I'm here. Like a little reaction, but I we don't have to do it ever again. That's fine. No, I like it. I want that. I don't know that it should be sup dogs every time. I'm going to leave that to your discretion. Okay. I'm going to leave a gap for you to we'll do a little call out every time. Yeah. Yeah. We can try some stuff out. Find what feels right. <laughs> I like sup dogs, but you know. Yeah. You don't love it. And I want to find something we both love. Yeah. Well, I think I found one thing we both love. Our topic Hell of yeah, today's dude. episode, Fuck The Last yeah, of dude. Us Season That's 1. That's how it's fucking done, dude. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's fucking pro shit, bro. Yes. <laughs> Sup, dogs. That was great. Wow. Wow. Uh, we should play volleyball because we are great at setting each other up. Oh, my God. Also, we both have the height for it. We do have the height for it. Yes. And the beach bods. Mm, God, I am so sad that my beach bod is ready in March because it's all going to go to shit <laughs> by May. I timed it too early. Oh, I pee my beach bod peaks in the winter, which is not <laughs> not ideal for this. Yeah, Speaking of not ideal, I've got a snowbird pod. <laughs> hey man, I just did a week in Florida. You're coming up on one. Yeah. We're just out of sync. Yeah. Gotta do gotta do our Florida time. Speaking of time, I had the time of my life watching The Last of Us. <laughs> I- what did you think? What do you think of Last of Us, Kevin? I really loved this show. And my biggest thing with this has been trying to figure out what the experience of watching this show would be like if you've never played the game. I'm assuming yes. that's the case for at least some of our listeners. Uh, you know, there are aspects of this show that inarguably are improvements over the game. The most glaring one is the Bill and Frank episode. I mean, holy shit. Like that's not really elaborated on in the games whatsoever. This is effectively entirely new for the show. And it is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I wept. I fucking wept on the couch watching that episode. It's going to be difficult to watch again, but it's because of how moving it is. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't a like a huge pussy about it, but I did find it emotional. Um, <laughs> I liked. <laughs> uh, sorry, everybody. Uh, Bill and Frank. I think in the game. <laughs> I I think in the game they just like found Frank's body, right? Do you even like their? But it, their relationship is implied. And then this did like an amazing job of fleshing this out in what might be the best episode of the the series, depending on who you ask. Uh, that was an amazing amplification. I think you had a much better memory, you know, chatting through the weeks about like what was in the game, what wasn't in the game. And I going in, I remember I remember playing the game, loving the game, uh, remembering the ending, loving the ending and being like, mm-hmm. how are they going to get to the end? That was kind of my thought process the whole time. How are they going to get to the ending? And I was actually shocked how accurate the the show was to parts of the video game that I would see something and it would like trigger a video game flashback. Yeah. You know, 
I'd be like, I remember this scene. And then I go online and you'd see the side by side of the video game and the show. And you'd be like, they straight up copied this. All the best scenes in this. Well, maybe not all the best scenes because we just said that's not true. But a ton of like the the best scenes, especially between Joel and Ellie straight Mm -hmm. from the video game, straight from the video game. They're even shot the same. Like that's how good the video game is. And that's how great the show is, right? That they're able to pull that off. And there were a few of those where like, you know, uh, second to last episode, like episode eight, they had that scene and the, 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 the barn is burning down and she's like crawling on the ground. And I was like, I remember this from the game. And he went to crawl and like sneak around this stuff. I was watching with my buddy Pat and constantly we're like, he's like turned to me and he's like, well, that's a game. You just leveled up. You just got a thing. And you know, there were like, there's all these moments where he boosts Ellie up to like go and solve a puzzle that yeah. he had to do in the game. And it was like, it felt so it felt like such a true adaptation to the source material. I had an absolute blast watching it and man, turning that video game into this. I think it was like as good an adaptation as we could have gotten. I completely agree. I think the thing that makes it so successful is that Craig was able to see the heart of this game and Craig Mazin is a genius writer. He's an absolutely incredible writer. I'm a huge fan of his podcast script notes. Um, he's a master of theme and I think he played the game and I think there was definitely like a, no pun intended, like game recognized game thing that happened with Neil Druckmann (laughs) where he saw this thing that Neil Druckmann had made and he recognized, oh my God, this story is phenomenal. And it resonated with him because he just loved it so much. And then when he got the chance to adapt this after he did Chernobyl for HBO, reaching out to Neil Druckmann about creating this game and bringing Neil in on the process. I think the two of them really just vibed. I've been listening to all their like podcast episodes. They've been releasing after the episodes of the show. I've been watching all of the little like after the episode things on HBO and the documentary, how I recommend that there's like a half hour documentary they did on the making of the series. And Neil and Craig didn't actually know each other before this process began. And it really seems like they are joined at the hip now. I mean, they're going to be working together with the same process for the second season. They got matching tattoos. Um, (laughs) It's at a point where I wonder if Craig is going to be a co-creator on the third game, because at this point they have helped each other realize things about this world that they wouldn't have gotten to on their own. That if you're Neil Druckmann, I don't know how you would navigate a situation if he would try to make that third game alone, want to make it alone, or not want to make it alone because creating a video game is an experience that Craig currently doesn't have any experience with. So like, it just really, I I think this was like an experience that fundamentally changed both of them because of the degree to which they overlap in their interests and their approaches to things. And I think that really shows here in the attention to detail that they put into this thing because they both care about it so deeply and have these backgrounds where Craig knows how to create media specifically for movies and TV. He knows how to create passive media where Neil has all this experience building out background for a world. All the worlds that he has experienced creating are active worlds where you can go and explore and you can dig notes out of drawers. And 
there's so much detail that's needed in a game that you wouldn't normally see in a movie because in a movie, you can't necessarily go around the corner of the house in Coda. We might not ever see what their laundry room looks like, but in the right, game, you would see that to. laundry room. Yeah. Oh God. I've been, I write Apple every week asking to see the laundry room from Coda. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or at least listen to them fuck on it, right? <laughs> you know it's happening. <laughs> you know it's happening. What a rat, what a ruckus that would be. The neighbors are coming out. They're like, they've got a crickety old washing machine. Like it's like shaking and vi- they can't tell. Doesn't bother them at all. But then just the cacophony of sounds coming from that laundry machine. I Dude. imagine, you know, pretty regularly. They seemed happy together. Shout out to the parents in Coda. One of the best scenes in that movie last year. Go watch Coda. It's a blast. <laughs> uh, do you agree? Do you think that this, do you think that it's the, uh, the overlap between these guys and them being able to kind of add on to each other's skills that allowed this adaptation to be so good? Yeah, I guess so. I think, I don't know enough about their relationship but I feel like we can't emphasize enough how good the source material is like this game is so good. And like not it's it's not even like the best game, like the gamification of it is isn't as good, but it's by far the best story, like the best writing I've ever experienced in a video game. Not that I'm the biggest gamer ever, but I was like Googling, like, what are the best stories in video games? And people are like, oh, well, like. Red Dead Redemption is one I heard a lot. And like, yeah, that was amazing. That's like one of the biggest video games of all time. It's not as good as the Last of Us story. It's just not. The writing isn't as good. And it's a different kind of game because games like Red Dead, there's open world. You get to you leave the story. You come back to the story. You know, you you walk away from it for a while. Then you come back and the game is really kind of on rails, like mm-hmm. just following the story. And you you walk through places, then you don't go back because you're you're journeying across the country with them. And the story came first in a way that I'd never experienced with a video game before uh, when I played it. So. The video game, I mean, is as close to a script as you're going to get, right? Like you can play that video game as someone who doesn't even like video games. And I think take a ton out of it. I mean, I was talking to people about whether or not they should watch it. You know, people have been like, oh, that, I heard that's really good. Should I watch it? I don't really like zombie things. And I'm like, well, this might be the perfect zombie thing for you to get into. <laughs> there's no zombies in this. There's like, <laughs> there's like two episodes with zombies. It's like not about the zombies. The zombies like just happen to be there. Like mm-hmm. that's the setting, you know, it's so that in the game you have something to do a little bit, but it's not the driving force of any of this. So I mean, if you're going to pick a game to be inspired by, this is as good as any. The writing in it is amazing. And I mean, all these other games, like they made a fucking movie about Rampage. You know, like that's (laughs) you got fucking nothing. We have a giant gorilla and a giant alligator. (laughs) We have we have three useless giant objects, the rock, an alligator, a gorilla. And we got to make this work. And they're all like, yeah, let's green light it. $20 million. We'll lose a hundred. <laughs> I can't wait. The rock's the star. <laughs> and, and, and then you get something like last of us where like most of it was written already. You know, they like the game had, had half the series written already, you know? So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how much of it is just, it seems like they were playing on easy mode a little bit as far as like trying to make this show. Dude, I on the note of Rampage, who made that Warner Brothers? 
who gives I a think, fuck? I mean, I, it sucked. Whatever studio made it and lost like <laughs> millions of dollars on it. I like to think that there's one guy who pumped so many quarters into a machine at the arcade that they, that studio is still not the person that has spent the most money on Rampage. <laughs> there's this one like person out there that found that guy and brought him in as a consultant. It seems he, like it. And he lost his mind because they weren't respecting the IP and they had to like kick him off the set. And there was probably like a little small lawsuit, you know, going on like uh, Henry Cavill and the Witcher where they're like, he respects the IP too much. That's why he's like battling. That's why he's causing problems at Netflix and walking away. Uh. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I want one of those guys on Rampage, a truly useless game and uh, useless movie. But the wolf this is no has Rampage. to be blue. This is no Rampage. Uh, <laughs> this is art. This is art, dude. So what you said about this being the closest you can get in games to a script and this being, I, I mean, I completely agree with, the controversial statement that this is the best story in games. People lost their minds when Craig said that in an interview, uh, which number one, he's stumping for his own show. Like, what do you think he's going to yes. go out there and say it's mediocre? Come on. Number two, exactly. What we just said Red Dead Redemption. You're on rails. Most video games are on rails. I feel like most people, when they're thinking about the story in a video game are biased by the fact that again that is an active form of entertainment so you have an attachment to the character that you wouldn't normally have because you are the character you know if your character is threatened you are the one that feels threatened it's one of the big things if you play like a resident evil game it's terrifying because even though what's happening is like relatively milk toast by the standards of modern day horror movies uh if you are the one that feels how slowly that character can move and you see a zombie amble into a room, you're the one that feels like you're in danger, especially when the game does a good job of contextualizing things like if you die, you go back to your last save. So the save points are few and far between. That way it's like, fuck, this is costing me my time in the real world to go back and do yeah. all this stuff again. So you feel stakes when you're playing a game that you don't always feel when you are watching a movie. And the thing that bridged the gap for last of us is the fact that they went the extra step anyway. So on top of feeling for the protagonist, because you are playing the protagonist, you also care about the protagonist because of the story, because they did a good enough job telling that. And that was one of the things I was the most interested about seeing how they would do here is because so much of the, fun of playing the game was the adrenaline. I was curious to see how much was still there when they take that out. Uh, if you haven't played the game, you die a lot. You're probably going <laughs> to die a lot in this game. And they go out of their way to make sure that the scenes where you get, you know, taken out by a raider and like get your throat cut or have a zombie go in and like dig its teeth into your thigh. They make sure that those scenes are as grisly as possible. So you hit a point where it's like, I don't want to see Ellie die a gruesome death for the 200th time in a row. Like it just starts to hurt. Um, and that ends up being one of those things that again, it, it makes it a lot more tense to play through a really difficult section of the game. And I thought they did an incredible job bridging that gap in the show by virtue of basically having the violence that happens to the characters be a lot more rare and a lot more intense when it happens. Like people pretty much don't get into violent conflicts in this show unless Someone is not walking out of that conflict. Right, right there. The game in itself, I thought, was like very stealthy. 
Mm-hmm. It seemed like that was a huge part of it was like sneaking around zombies, like distracting them, taking a like a silent crossbow shot. It wasn't just a shoot them up game. And I think that when you're playing the game also, it leads to the like human element, right? Like one fuck up and you die, you die like you would in real life. Mm-hmm. And they still carried that tension over into the show. Obviously, like Joel is. In, I just watched. I just watched uh, Scream. I watched the new oh, the Scream new movie and I went back and I rewatched a bunch of all the old ones and people get stabbed constantly. In Scream. <laughs> people are getting stabbed like 50 times and then then they're in the next movie. It's like it's like crazy. They just like they're they're stabbed and then they get up and they're fine. Like people get stabbed and then they just like like being stabbed is nothing to them. It's just, you know, it's 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 just like another another thing that happens throughout your day. And then in contrasted with Last of Us, where like Joel gets stabbed and he's like out of commission. He needs like medicine. He's down like this, like launches a whole separate arc for Ellie, where she's like venturing out on her own for the first time. Like the stakes are so high that I love. I loved the weight that they put on these human things of like. Yeah, like treating a stab wound like it with the weight that it deserves, you know, like mm-hmm. treating shot like bullets and guns with like the weight and and integrity that it all deserves. And it was awesome. I mean, even the scenes that in the game, too, where like you did have a shoot 'em up style thing. It was like a huge set piece, like sniping in a building while zombies are coming out and these people are hunting you down. You know, that was amazing. I mean, it was great. It was so good. Um I, I wanted to get your opinion on the ending because kind of the whole time I was like, are they going to be able to pull this ending off? Because my biggest takeaway from the game was like how powerful it is, right? Where mm-hmm. Ellie is essentially this cure that could save the world. But in order for her to do that, they have to kill her. And Joel, through their experience in the game together, growing their relationship, growing them, healing each other from this past trauma. They had being like a surrogate family for each other, replacing loved ones they've lost. Ultimately helping them like cope with the grief of that loss and kind of a newfound family, like a beautiful story. And by the time they get to the end, he is willing to burn down the world to save her life. Mm hmm. And I remember that being so powerful in the game. It's like a, the, one of the more intense action sequences in the game, just like sprinting through a hospital, capping people. And it was like the only time in the show, maybe legitimately the only time where the budget like bummed me out a little bit like that. It was TV like I wanted a more visceral action scene. And instead, they kind of like slowed it down. And presented it in a way that I think if I hadn't been thinking of the game, I would have really enjoyed. Like, I think on rewatch, I'm going to like it a lot, but it didn't like reach the high that I felt in the game. It didn't satisfy me in the way that I was hoping for. Uh, But I think that's like some, you know, some memory, some like build up, you know, like the fish is all gets bigger every time you tell the story. Like <laughs> maybe I'm glorifying this action scene in this game too much. Maybe I really didn't kill a thousand people at the end of this game in this <laughs> hospital. You know, like maybe it wasn't as fast and my heart wasn't racing as much. But I like yeah, that was like my biggest expectation on this. Do you think it met that standard? Do you think like by the time 
we got through these nine episodes. Do you think Joel and Ellie's relationship was solid enough that you truly think Pedro Pascal would burn the world down for Bella Ramsey? Tim, I completely agree with your take. This is the one thing that didn't really hit the note for me. And I've been thinking about a lot of the same stuff. Your note about the TV budget. I hadn't thought about that. That burns because I feel like it's true. It was crazy. A friend of mine, shout out Brandon Rockwell, uh, pointed out. Well, friend of the pod, friend of the pod, uh, pointed out early on. He sent me an article with the episode lengths for the entire Mm -hmm. series. And we were both like, what the fuck? The final episode is only 45 minutes. Like, yes. What's the deal there? Why is this one so short? And terrifying news. There was an opportunity to do a longer shootout scene there. They chose not to do it. I don't think anybody would stop them from doing that outside of like budget, like you probably mentioned. Unless it's this situation where same thing with the zombies, like the point isn't necessarily the zombies. The point isn't necessarily in this case having a giant action shootout scene with Joel, the point is the feeling that Joel is going through. So yeah. I think in slowing it down, maybe it was meant to evoke the cloudiness in Joel's head as he was trying to like parse his way through, like, am I really doing this? Um, the The deaths are gruesome. Like those are... Some of the hardest deaths in the show. I don't think the hardest. I think the hardest is that kid that Ellie shoots in like episode, yeah. I want to say four. That scene, <clears throat> that's maybe the best scene in the show. It just absolutely sticks a knife in your gut and twists it scream style. Um, <laughs> eight to nine times. Eight to, to nine, nine times. times. <laughs> in this, yeah, it's that's what made me question the experience of someone who hasn't played the game. Because playing the game, you have so much more time with Joel and Ellie. And Mm -hmm. Lauren pointed this out. They go through so many experiences that they barely make it out of with zombies and raiders and all that. that Constantly. In addition to the trauma that they both faced in the past, this is new. These are new experiences that they can bond over. (laughs) And like people do trauma bond in that way. Um, In the game. Well, I don't want to spoil that. But uh, there's another sequence where, yeah, but even even th- the game is like 30 hours. Right. Mm-hmm. So like through that time, these characters, even when you're walking around, Joel starts laughing at these jokes Ellie's telling, you know, like I, I don't know how. I guess my my big question is, like, is there any way to like truly recreate that in something that is nine episodes? How do you create that feeling that comes with? spending a ton of time with characters. I mean, it's one of the things that's that why, why people gravitate to television as opposed to movies, right. And film mm-hmm. is like Michael Scott is, is a part of your family. You see them, you see him every week, you know, you can see him a hundred times at home. He's like in your house with you. Right. As opposed to somebody, let's pull an actor out of a hat, Dwayne, the rock Johnson, who only <laughs> shows up for 90 minute sprints where he, where he kind of <laughs> sucks and bums you out. Uh, and then he's gone and you're like, wow, I don't know if I have the same connection to, uh, whatever the name of his character was in that movie. Cause he's wearing the same shirt in a very similar looking location for mm-hmm. the eighth time, uh, or whatever bad analogy. But this, these like mini series is like a weird compromise where you get more time with these guys, 
but it's still I still want more. You know, is yeah. there could they have added like three more episodes? Could they have gone to 12? Would that have made a difference? I mean, they also dedicate a whole episode to Bill and Frank, which was not there. Right. They have another. I feel like they have another episode, right, where they just aren't with the main characters. They have a couple episodes where it's, they have one where it's just Ellie and a mole. And they aren't even thinking about the relationship between Joel and Ellie. Joel and Ellie are like in every other episode thing. So they clearly thought they had enough there, but I I don't know. That's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if they're biased from their connection to the source material that, that they kind of take it. this relationship between those two characters for granted. Do I think it's possible? I absolutely think it's possible because look at the dynamic between Bill and Frank that we get over the course of that one episode. Like if you can do it in one episode, you can do it over the course of the whole series, which tells well, me but that time passes in that. Yeah. We see a ton of time jumps. We see like progress and change over time whereas like this movie takes place in what like a month or two or the show takes place over i actually wonder what the timeline is for this i think yeah, it's only like a, a month or something right i think i i feel like marlene says something like six weeks five weeks six weeks there's something um i think because she mentions how yeah she mentions that most of her guys that she brought with her died and joel and ellie did alone and i think she so gives the time frame friends. there they're camp friends, dude. This is a story about the best camp friends ever. <laughs> you know, at the end of camp, you're like, man, I'd burn the world down for so and so. And then like you exchange three letters and then it's like, ah, writing sucks. And like, you don't talk to him anymore. Yeah. You know, until next year. Like, that's what they're that's where they're at right now. But um, yeah, it's just weird. And then even the budgetary thing with the TV, there were other times I don't think it was a problem in uh, in lots of other spots like the sniping scene I thought was great. Yeah. And I was like, they've got so many. I was like, I can't believe they're doing this on television. The scene with her in the building burning down and the guys chasing her with the knife. It felt so real and so grounded and was like so satisfying that then getting to the fight scene at the end, which I was I mean, I put too, maybe I put too much weight on it because the whole time I'm like, how are they going to do this? How are they going to do this? And maybe there's no right way to do it. In that scenario, or or maybe they did it the right way and we're just too close to it. Um, I think yeah. it's that. I think in the same way, I think we're biased by the source material because think about your feeling when you first played that in the game. And that first knee jerk reaction you get where you're like, oh, he's going to do this. Like, I'm going to yeah. go through playing as Joel and I'm going to have to murder all these people. Like it's a horrible, horrible feeling. And that shock stays with you while you're playing the game. And I guess I want to check in with some people I know that didn't play the game to see what the reaction was, because maybe that was jarring in the same way to see him do this on screen. Yeah, maybe it like, was. I mean, I, it, it, it reminds me of uh, the show Mulaney. You know, I remember hearing an interview with John Mulaney. I think it was like Pete Holmes, John Mulaney talking about the show. Mm -hmm. And John Mulaney was saying that he'd it took him like 10 years to write the show. And he'd like was so familiar with the characters. And then he does like a like a body swapping episode, like in episode six. And Pete Holmes was like, I don't even know who these characters are. And they're already like swapping bodies. And John's like, yeah, I've spent 10 years with these people already. You know, like Mm -hmm. I have this idea in my head that they're so much that is they're so thought out that when I look at them, all I can see is this, you know, we know how hard that is with like writing and everything. Like it's impossible to kill your darlings. Like I write a sentence and it's like, 
and I'm so proud of it. I can't delete a word out of it. You know, <laughs> it's, it's hard to do. You get so attached to these things. And honestly, Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey so fucking good. Yeah. That maybe it just like all maybe maybe it's enough. Maybe it's enough. They're like their chemistry is amazing. Their acting is top tier and the writing is incredible. And maybe that's enough. I mean, maybe it is. Yeah, we got We got to ask more people. We got to do more fact finding. We would love to hear from you if you're listening to this. Yes. And you haven't played the game. Please let us know. Uh, how that how that made you feel? Please, we already have some mail on deck for our next preview preview that's coming up. So join the party; it'll be fun. We're gonna do an actual mailbag for the first time. Um, do you have any beefs and thieves you want to get into, or do you got another take? No, I mean, I, as far as beefs, that was really it. The only other like take that I wanted to add on there is that um, your note about the episodes that are not related to Joel and Ellie. Again, this is background from listening to the HBO Last of Us podcast, which I highly recommend if you enjoyed the show, um, because you get a lot of Craig and Neil's uh, background on why they were doing certain things. Any of those episodes that weren't directly focused on Joel and Ellie, those scenes come back to inform the situations that Joel and Ellie will then be put in. And Mm -hmm. the one I'm specifically thinking of is they talk about how people say like, well, the Bill and Frank episode isn't related to them at all. And they're like, it's the most important episode in their opinion for Joel's growth, because Bill has to go through everything in that episode in order to leave that note for Joel. And that note is one of the first things that makes Joel realize that he is a protector. And I think the big thing that they are trying to put onto Joel as a character over the course of this whole season, and maybe one of the reasons that we didn't see as much of like, I don't know, these other things from the game is because they really chose to frame everything around Joel realizing that he's a protector and stepping into this protector role. So while in the game, it is a little bit more open-ended because it's less focused because it was Neil telling the story ethic and not Craig. Um, (laughs) It's more open-ended as to what Joel's motivation was for saving Ellie there. And my original read when I first played the game was I understood it to be after everything they went through over the course of the game, he decided that humanity is probably not worth saving anyway. But Elias and uh, having it like this, this version of it where it is framed up more on being a protector, you can see how these little hints of all the situations that Joel is confronted with over the course of the season direct him directly to this choice so that by the time he gets there with Ellie, he has fully realized his position as her protector and there's never another option for him. It's never a choice for him in that. Yeah, I mean, the Bill and Frank, the Bill and Frank episode is also just it really builds out their relationship. It really Mm -hmm. projects onto Joel a lot. It's also some of the best world building I think I've ever seen in a show because it all ends with a note that Joel picks up and you're like, holy shit. This is like, the you know, when we talk about the video game, but like everything in this world that they're touching has like a deep, rich history of people who have fought and died to do this. You go to a convenience store, it's ransacked and empty. Lives were like lost and saved in that location. It just adds so much weight to the world. And I think it also, to your point about like the world isn't worth saving, but Ellie is 
It also makes the world feel so small because these two people ultimately just have each other Mm -hmm. and their world is so much smaller than it used to be. You know, you went from the Internet where you're talking to people like all over the planet to like there's just the two of you. There's just your immediate family. He's got a brother that he's like, that's a guiding light for him and his family. And ultimately, at the end, they're like going back to like the little family he has. His world is so small now. So why save the rest of it? Like, fuck everything else. You know, who cares about the scavengers outside beating your door down? Like you've got yours and you've got to protect it. And it goes back to like a very tribal, like human thing, right? Like the Mm -hmm. bottom of the uh, hierarchy of needs. Like, I got to take care of mine. We need shelter. We need these things. I, we don't have, I can't afford to think about things bigger than this. And like outside of us, which I mean, for like this, it's like the second episode too, right? So it's like, <laughs> it's, it's hard, three. man. Oh, fucking It's hell. really good. Uh, I did want to give uh, a thief to um, the mom of Ellie in this. Oh, yeah. I was like, holy shit. This is the most perfect casting I've ever seen in my life. They look the same. I'm like, is this her actual mother? Because this is. Her voice is incredible. She is she is Ellie like she is clearly Ellie's mom. Wait, Tim, you know who that was, right? She was the voice actor for Ellie. Yeah. From the game. And it was like and the whole time I was like, oh, they hired Ashley. I think it's Ashley Johnson Mm -hmm. because uh, she's because she looks like Bella Ramsey. But then it's like, oh, no, Bella Ramsey is so great that. She is like mirroring Ashley Johnson (laughs) (laughs) in this way. Like they found the perfect person to embody this actor that had played the role previously. Like it, it, it honestly blew my mind. It blew my mind that they were exactly alike. Like it, I, it was her mother. It, it could have been her when she was older. It was such, it was crazy. The voice crazy. I, I don't know. It, it made me wonder if like Bella Ramsey's an amazing actor, or if it's just like the most perfect casting of all time, because maybe it's a combination of both. I think she is a great actor. And I, th- I think that might be like some of the best casting ever. S tier casting, as we like to say in the pod. Dude, it's phenomenal. It, symbolically, what it represents to this person that had such a strong hand in creating the character of Ellie in the first place, then going on to play her mother in the adaptation of that in a different piece of media. I mean, that's so cool. Like, that's so it's unbelievably crazy. cool that she played the mother of the next person to carry the torch. It's dope. <laughs> also, on the Ashley Johnson note real quick, one of my favorite things with her is that she has like she had a slightly bigger role that got cut out of the first Avengers movie. And so all that's really left of it is an interview at the very end after the Avengers save New York, where it's like a news, it's like a New York one interview and she plays like a waitress. And I remember even the first time seeing the movie being like, what the fuck was that? Like, why did we stay on this one person for so long? And it makes sense if you watch the deleted scenes and you see that they were supposed to show her like two or three other times in the movie. But in isolation, I think you briefly see Captain America save her life in an office building. And then you see her talk about him saving her. Yeah. It's just like, who the fuck was that? Uh, So shout out (laughs) Ashley Johnson. Um, Okay. Yeah. One last question for you before we end the pod, Kevin. What's better, The Last of Us or Bahubali 2? Last of Us. Top of the top. New number one on the list. I love it. I agree. Yeah. We, uh, we, uh, 
we're mixing up our pod schedule coming up, right? Yes. We decided to call an audible. Uh-huh. You know, we forgot the Oscars are so close. So we are Oops. going to be revisiting everything, everywhere, all at once. If you want to hear about it, you can go back and listen to our original episode filmed right after we saw it. And then we're going to rewatch it, talk some Oscars. I believe we're going to do that next week. Mm-hmm. Right, Kevin? That's the plan. Brand new. Ep- and then Woman King as planned. Heck yeah. Shazam, we'll get to it. Uh, you know, Sam, no rush. Don't don't race to the theater because we aren't. Um, uh, a tragedy. Unfortunately, we won't get around to Shazam. God, as everybody weeps. Oh God. Well, hey, as we said earlier, we want to hear your takes on The Last of Us, especially if mm-hmm, you are mm-hmm. someone who did not play the game but watched the show. We want to know what you thought. Send us an email, nerdy430 at gmail.com. That's nerdy spelled out, then four spelled out, and then the number 30 at gmail.com. We'll read it on the show. Back here next week with everything all at once. Until then, thanks for listening. Stay nerdy, everybody. Stay Bye. nerdy. Bye. Bye, dogs. <laughs> <laughs>